Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. Are you feeling thoroughly modern this week? At last I am. Mm-hmm. We've been putting this one off for two months just because life has unfortunately got in the way. Yep. You know, quite a number of times. So I'm very excited after a lot of like teasing and hinting that this was on the horizon to get to it because there's a lot of people since I said we were going to cover this one have been quite excited for it yeah so I'm excited too Mm. so we obviously took a week off we had personal issues that got in the way yep so we took that week off but it's not all been a bad week we were lucky enough this week to get a chance to go to the Nova cinema for the first time in Woking yeah passed it like every time we go to the new Victoria Theatre, mm-hmm. we've always meant to go in. What did you think of the cinema? It's really cool. Like, it's a really nice, chill cinema. Right. I think because it's slightly smaller, although it's not smaller, the actual screens are the same size as normal cinemas, but it's smaller inside yeah. the building. I think it was just a more chill environment. But like also having like the chairs just lounge about in before you actually like go into the cinema. It's not so much like you get there and you just go straight into cinema. You could go and maybe have like a drink or two before you went in. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed a cheese board before we went into the film. Yeah, you did. Quite nice. But it was it was a really nice environment to be in. And I feel like it might change the usual place we go to the cinema. Yeah. It was, it was fun to finally kind of cross us off our bucket list this week. Mm-hmm. So if you are obviously nearby us, if you're near the Woking area, give the Nova Cinema a try. Like, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Other than starring Julie Andrews and the fact that I know Millie O'Connell was in this as an understudy for Millie. Mm-hmm. I know very little about Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yeah. Was it a film first or was it a stage show first? Or, you know, did the stage show come because the film was successful? The version of it that people now know as Thoroughly Modern Millie, it was the this film first, the Julie Andrews film. However, the screenplay for this is based on a 1956 musical called Chrysanthemum which follows a similar-ish plot. There are differences, obviously, but it's the same kind of, like... Yeah, principle. Yeah. So very much like My Fair Lady was Pygmalion. Yeah, in that kind of way. Yeah. But yeah, so we we ended up with the film that we have. I don't really want to say anything about the plot because, obviously, you know nothing about it and I think that's going to be hilarious for me to watch yeah because it just said that like on the blurb of the dvd Mm -hmm. it's like millie wants to find a husband and she's going to bump into these different people rich guys yeah who will help her and then she meets someone called muzzy who makes the world of difference in bringing the couples together sure so that's literally all I know about this. Mm-hmm. Which it's kind of, I wonder if it's kind of like Waitress then, if you're like, you don't want to say much about the plot in the fact that the blurb really doesn't do it justice. Mm. You know, Jenna is a down on her luck waitress until she meets her new doctor when life turns around. Yeah. So you're probably going to be 
surprised by this one, I think. I mean, what do you think the plot is other than that? Because based on that synopsis, I mean, in the same way as Waitress, like you say. To be honest, based on that synopsis, I'm kind of thinking something along the lines of My Fair Lady. Obviously, Julie Andrews was the originator of the My Fair Lady role. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's that, but possibly like an American version, because I'm pretty certain this is set in America. Mm-hmm. So is it just like an American adaptation? But And instead of like, you know, rich man falls in love with the flower girl he meets on the street and pledges to improve her use of English. Yeah. Like, will it just be rich American falls in love? Because it's something like moving from the country to the big city. So like, does he fall in love with a country bumpkin type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And she... And is that why she becomes thoroughly modern? Because she goes from, like, backwards America to, like, this metropolitan girl? Well, I mean, it's Julie Andrews. Yeah, I know. But, like, she obviously can do the My Fair Lady thing where she can be a little bit less Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. Like, a little less Mary Poppins. Like, does she start as Eliza Doolittle but becomes Mary Poppins, you know, through meeting this rich man in the city that transforms her. I th- I feel like it's going to be very similar to My Fair Lady. Sure. Just based on that plot. But mm-hmm. you saying... I'm sure there are people listening right now who are like screaming internally. Yeah, but then you saying that makes me wonder like, okay, surely it's not going to be like that and it's going to be much more like developed and interesting than the, the show I've just pitched. Mm-hmm. Because I would, I, if it is what I think it is, it's not going to be a great musical to watch. Because it'll be like generic story, you know. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's more than that, and it is just a case of the blurb hasn't done it justice. The blurb has certainly not done it okay, justice cool. at all. Cool. Perfect. That's good. I'm excited. So, as you know from the DVD cover, we have Julie Andrews, obviously yep. Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Channing. And James Fox. Now, Carol Channing, you will recognise as being the original actress to play Dolly in Hello, Dolly. Yes. Also in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And you'll probably have seen a lot of her from Vintage Broadway. Yes. And Carol Channing is also, like, kind of... Well, yeah, but hit, like, you know, Betty White levels, you know, in terms of, like, this really iconic figure. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and, and, and obviously has, like, this... Tremendous, I, I I think, vaudeville background. Yeah. Mary Tyler Moore, there were, I, I'm not sure if there was like a Mary Tyler Moore show. You know how you had the yeah, Dick Van Dyke was. show? There was and a Mary Tyler Moore show. Hilariously, she started on the Dick Van Dyke show. Cool. And then they gave her her own TV show. So I, I know that. Mm-hmm. So again, vaudeville-esque performer. Yeah. Very much of the era of Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So you've got like three phenomenal women in this yeah and carol channing specifically won a gold globe and uh the she was nominated for best supporting actress for this movie cool i know that this won an oscar for best music Mm -hmm. which is very cool i don't know who james fox is yeah that name doesn't ring a bell i don't know that you would know him from anything He's 
very much an actor. Like, he doesn't sing his own parts in this. He has a voice double. Okay. Is so it Marnie Nixon? No, it isn't Marnie Nixon. Um, his name is actually William Fox originally, both though professionally he's James Fox, but I don't think you'll actually know him from anything looking at it. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. I was going to say I didn't recognise the name. I mean, he gave up acting in 1970. And when was this released? 1967. Okay. So. So this this... is around the end, yeah. Yeah. So, Ross Hunter, who produced this, originally wanted to make a film version of the stage musical The Boyfriend, which Julie Andrews had been a huge hit in previously. However, the film rights would have cost him $400,000. So he was like, ooh, not going to do that. I will make my own film. And he brought in Richard Morris to write the stage play, to write the screenplay, and George Roy Hill to direct. And from there, there's like very little information that I could find about much of the backstage stuff to do with this one, yeah. which presumably means nobody tried to kill anyone with a light. Yep, no which children is always a good thing. at risk. Um, but it, it does have some controversy surrounding it because of some of the racist stereotypes that show up in this film. So, judging by the time era, mm-hmm. similar to Annie-ish, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume it's to do with Asian depictions. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so we have two actors who are playing Chinese characters who are both actually Japanese. Okay. Heritage-wise. Um, so that's obviously not okay, but is better than a white man... Dressed as a Chinese dressed, guy. Uh, like yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously still not okay. It's kind of like they've taken a huge step forward, but they're halfway and they've still got a long way to go. If they took a step forwards and sort of swerved slightly. To exactly. And, and I'm not condoning it, but it is definitely better than us watching it and seeing a white man with Breakfast at Tiffany's prosthetics on their face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess thank God for small blessings. So that so is that the controversy behind it is is just they cast the wrong heritage for the characters or is there more to it um it's mostly that there's a few things in this that are not dealt with in a way that they would be if it was in a movie nowadays okay and really more of the controversy comes with the fact that obviously the stage show which is very successful, is based on this film and doesn't really do anything to challenge those stereotypes. Oh, really? So it just keeps it the same? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay, I'm that I'm now intrigued to see from like a morbid curiosity and that feels like that'd be quite possibly quite damning of the modern stage show. Yep. Okay. However, it does has generally good reviews uh, lots of the critics were saying that obviously Julie Andrews is a delight. Moore is charming and Channing still scene after scene in this enjoyable feature. People would say that it was it's delightful. What oh, and is... swell, which you will understand better. <laughs> okay. Lots of swells in the reviews. But it, 
my favourite one, Variety magazine. Variety magazine? Variety paper. Variety. Hmm. Variety said is successful in striking and maintaining a gay spirit and pace. Nice. Which is an absolute vibe, so. Is this a tap musical? Yes. Because Sutton Foster was in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes, indeed. And it gave her her big break. And obviously, what we know from Shrek and Anything Goes, she is a very, very talented tap performer. Mm -hmm. But this gave her that break. So is there tap featured in this somehow? There is. Uh, it's m more so, obviously, in the stage show. Yes, but tap is a huge part of this as a film as but well. But yeah, we're doing some tap here. Cool. I remember that because I remember talking about Thoroughly Modern Millie briefly when we watched Shrek and first talked about Sutton Foster. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on this one? Is this one that you enjoy? Have you seen the stage show and the film? When was the last time you watched the film? I've seen a pro shot of the stage show. Yeah. I saw that first, I think, and I wasn't fussed by it at the time. I think I was 16 or 17. Yeah. And then I saw the film. I prefer this version, I think, to the stage show. Although the stage show does have some really good songs. Yeah. That aren't in here. Yeah. Okay, so the stage show. Because this one's already quite long. Yeah, they just add more... You've got a lot of scenes in this one where there are no songs where you could just have a song where a character tells you how they're feeling okay. instead of just speaking it, which is essentially what they did with the stage show. It is rare that you say you prefer this sort of thing, like the film, to the stage show. Like usually, especially with the older ones, you'll be like, I'd rather introduce you to the stage show because it corrects a lot that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, the stage show won the 2002 Best Musical at cool. the Tony Awards. And was also nominated for book and score. Was it that? Was it new then? Did it take 2002 for it to come out? Yeah. Wow. So that's, there's a huge gap of, of time in between this then. Mm-hmm. See, would you say that this is definitely like a... You, you said you weren't that fast when you saw it and you were around 16. Is this definitely one that you have to be older to kind of enjoy? Like this isn't one that you would take a group of 15-year-olds to the theatre to see. Do you think this one... The, the, the pleasure in watching this film comes from being a little bit older. I think you need a more thorough understanding thorough. of the <laughs> of the era. Okay. To sort of get this one, because it is a satire. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Everything is supposed to be very ridiculous. So it plays upon a lot of the, you know, 20s stereotypes because okay. it has to. Because otherwise some of the stuff doesn't make any sense. So it is, ironically, for thoroughly modern, thoroughly old-fashioned. Mm -hmm. It's about 100 years ago set then. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, it's exactly 100 years ago. I didn't even think of that. It's set in 1922. Cool. Yeah. Good job we finished, you know, this eventually and we got it done in 2022, eh? Yeah. Awesome. Oh my God, that's so scary. Do you think I'm going to like this one? Yes. It's not going to be like a pirate movie. This is like surprises. Equally as weird as the pirate movie, but you're going to like this a lot better. Okay. I think the reason I like the film better is because it's Julie Andrews. There's something very charming about Julie Andrews, isn't there? Yeah. But again, I think the thing is with, with that, I am expecting quite proper. You oh, know? Yeah. So despite this movie being set entirely in America and the character Millie 
being, like you said in the synopsis, a country bumpkin kind of girl. She's just Julie Andrews. Just English. She's doing her English accent. It's so funny. She's like an English country bumpkin. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Awesome. It's well, great. I'm, I am excited to get to this one at last. Mm-hmm. After two months of putting off, it's time to head to 1922 and yeah. get modern thoroughly mm-hmm. with Millie. Absolutely. We will be back very shortly after intermission. And we are back. Yes, we sure are. We have got down with Millie, mm-hmm. come out the other end. Mm-hmm. And you are right that this is an incredibly weird musical that, like, genuinely didn't go the way I expected. <laughs> like, it's still very much boy meets girl and girl meets boy and end happily ever after. However... However, the course of true love never did run smoothly. Or seemingly without white sexual slavery. Yes. And breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. That was very weird when that happened. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, what is this? Like, Julie Andrews constantly breaking the fourth wall. It's great because it's Julie Andrews and it's very personal. But again, it's that weird, like, Miranda face. Yeah. I think without this movie, there would never have been Miranda as a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Because it, it that's what it reminded me of. But, like, you have Julie Andrews look to the audience and then you have, like, the old-fashioned vaudeville silent movie cue card that says what she's thinking. Yeah. Which, again, is a choice. Mm-hmm. And it was very weird. But I liked. Yes, the white slavery is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And... Also is very much not what you'd expect for, like, that group of people, like, for white women. It's not something you you typically associate with them. I mean, this is a real thing, obviously, that it's based on. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Like, when we had, like, the whole, like, you mentioned to me, like, before we showed this, like, once we'd done recording, you were like, right, so, there's this aspect of it. I was like... Okay. But You thought this was made up? Yeah. No. Jeez. No, it's not made up. So I mean, th- this is still a thing that happens today, oh, obviously. I know. Yeah. And it's weird how it's handled in here that it's extremely weird how it's handled in here. You know, that it happens but there's no real exploration of it we just kind of see it in like the final act Mm -hmm. with regards to the first thing we open on yeah it's like this the paper thing Mm -hmm. i I guess before we talk full review talking about the 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 racist connotations yeah that for me the the worst bit really is whenever you see the characters and you have the oriental-esque music Mm -hmm. like that feels really uncomfortable yep i don't think there's much wrong in terms of like the physical depiction like obviously outside of casting japanese men as 
Chinese men. Yeah, not great. Like, villainizing them, obviously, isn't good. But it also feels very much like what a lot of films did in the Cold War with Russians and what Stranger Things kind of has continued to do. Mm-hmm. That, you, you know, you make them the bad guys. Yeah. And they all have, like, the, the, the accents. Yeah, so in this movie, there are five non-English languages spoken. Yes. So we have German, French, Spanish, Italian, Hebrew, and Chinese. All of them, except Chinese, are actually spoken. And that was the other thing I was going to talk about. They're is fully just making random nonsense sounds that don't actually mean anything. Yeah. Which is equally bad. Yeah, and that for me was the final thing I was going to touch upon is the fact that it is just not okay. Especially because Mrs. Mears is white. Yeah, so I've never understood, and from looking it up, I couldn't find anything about this. Obviously, Mrs. Mears has her hair done up in that truly terrible hairstyle of having two chopsticks in yes. it which on a white woman looks ridiculous but also i don't think i've ever seen any historical example of people actually putting chopsticks yeah. in their hair correct me if i'm wrong obviously this is not my area of expertise but i couldn't find anything about if mrs mears was supposed to be chinese or if she's a white woman who is working with yeah these chinese guys but either way, the hair stuff isn't great. Her fake Chinese is terrible. Yes. But she it... is dressed for the rest of the time as a white woman. Yeah. And this is the thing. is It's not like you've cast a white actor and tried to use makeup and prosthetics. She is a white woman. She's like clearly a white who's woman. Who's just adopted some of their culture for like... In the whitest way possible. In the whitest yeah. way possible. It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. when you have like the privileged white boys go on their you know gap year and come back with long blonde dreadlocks Mm -hmm. but it's still not okay yeah it never reached like the annie levels of really really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. obviously it's it's still uncomfortable because it's not okay but it feels very much in line with you know again the not okay practice of the way holly hollywood has adopted the dangerous foreigner motif yeah it's still not okay and as a practice shouldn't happen Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like this one's as outside of the really damaging you know use of their language the casting and the odd bit of music it doesn't feel as horrible as annie did for me yeah annie was pretty bad you know because you don't have them doing like stereotypical kung fu as well that is true. You know, they they do feel they're oh, not. It's like the bare minimum. Isn't I know it? it's the bare minimum, and they're not really fleshed out characters. They are villains. They are henchmen. Mm-hmm. They're not fleshed out. They don't get much development. But they also don't have names. No, and and that's the thing is, this film could have done so much more to develop, but it also could have done a lot more to harm them. Should we be congratulating it? For no, doing we're not. The bare minimum. Probably. No, we're not. We're not. I'm, I'm not <laughs> congratulating it. Is I'm saying, 
that I can see why that is a critique of this. Yeah. And I'm thankful it wasn't as bad as it as I thought it was going to be when you said it to me. However, the fact that modern versions of this stage show don't change this mm-hmm. is not okay. There's nothing wrong with, you know, them still being the villains. But more should be done to develop that. Yeah, definitely. So, we start with a really lovely overture. Yep. Our DVD version of this, we have a graphic that accompanies most of it. It just has, like, the thoroughly modern mini logo. Most of it until the last, like, minute of this overture, and then the screen was just black. Just like Funny Girl. Funny Girl. And we're like, oh, no, is it broken? Has our DVD broken? We're going to have to delay thoroughly modern Millie again. (laughs) I don't know why... They just all do this. I don't know why that happens. I I, I like the overture, but I think it's it's very long. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the fact that this is, like, two hours and 13 minutes... Yeah. That is a very long overture. And I could imagine people getting quite bored in the theatre. Unless you were seeing, like, a really prestigious orchestra. Just like when we saw the My Fair Lady back in July. Mm-hmm. You have, like, this amazing orchestra doing it that you could just listen to them for ages. Yeah. But here it just goes on a little bit long. And we get, you know... <laughs> Some weird uh, melodrama villain music as mm-hmm. we then go into the very old vintage Universal logo. And yeah. then the first thing we hear is this squeaky wheel. Squeak, 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 squeak. It's so irritating. It is. And we hear it a lot, but it goes outside hotel room at 1210. Mm-hmm. And we hear somebody's singing a song on a ukulele. Yep. And we just see this gloved hand with this bottle of like something and a rag so it's like ether or something it's chloroform yeah and they put this person to sleep knock them out and then they cover them in like a potato sack put them in this hamper yeah it's the laundry basket and wheel them off and the villain goes into the lift Mm -hmm. the lift doesn't work so they keep pressing the button they have to kick it and eventually start tap dancing their way down Mm mm-hmm which at this point is a very weird choice, but as the film progresses, won't be so weird. Because we see that the only way this lift works is with tap dance, yep. which is, I guess, where this show has got the tap dance reputation. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the papes saying white girls sold into slavery. Yeah. So we kind of have like, we've just seen an example of that. And we now see that this is a big problem. And then we meet Julie Andrews, who breaks the fourth wall immediately. Which I like that that trope is picked up very early on in the film. It, it like very quickly sets the rules. This is what happens in this world. We accept it very, very quickly. Yeah. Because it is quite jarring. It's probably not something that would have been done much of in this era of Hollywood as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a really bold choice. And it works, I think, really well. You know, the bits here where she like looks at people, especially like the other women in their beads and she looks to the audience and she's like, their boobs are so flat. So their beads hang as they should. Yeah. You know, it's punctuated really well and the same threads are really nice. I think this film has a very good like female gaze. Yeah. Just because like... I don't know if this would pass the Bechdel test because a lot of what Julie Andrews talks about is wanting to marry her boss. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever feel like they have 
you know, between her and Dorothy, many conversations that don't revolve around that. Miss Dorothy. Miss Dorothy. Well, okay. <laughs> her and Miss Dorothy don't have many conversations that don't revolve around men. Yeah. Maybe it would. Maybe with Muzzy, you know, talking about the great things she's accomplished, it could. But it feels very much like, in terms of, like, female gays, the women are allowed to be funny here, but also they're allowed to be, like, not necessarily in it for love. Yeah. You know, they're allowed to have their own reasons for marrying, which is not something that usually would have come across in a lot of these films where you'd have had... You know, if 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 it was a man's perspective on this, it'd be like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm going to marry my boss, or I'm I'm going to you know get a good job, and I'm going to find someone who like a nice secretary who's desperate for a man. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, oh cool. Whereas here, you know, you don't usually see women pursuing men in this way, and I think that's pretty cool about this. Yeah. We get our titular song, thoroughly modern Millie, which I thought it was weird that it was a soundtrack and not sung by julie andrews like within the film Mm. you know it sets the scene it's just just kind of like ambient music yeah and that's kind of one of my issues with this film is that does anybody sing do we see them physically singing because yeah, a lot of the songs are like internal monologue songs and the way they chose to do that in this film is to have it'd be clear that it's the character singing, but they don't, they're not moving their mouths. Yeah, so tapioca is done there and then. Yeah. And the wedding song is like that. Babyface. Yeah, but those are supposed to be happening. Yeah. I think Babyface, she's singing it. She starts and then the rest of it's in her head. Yeah, but she starts. Jazz Baby, she sings and she it's a performance. So that's kind of difference. It is, I mean, it is a very good point because you've said that we wouldn't cover Disney song or Disney film, sorry, mm-hmm. that feature soundtrack music like this. So like Tarzan isn't one we're going to cover, even though it's got like songs, they're soundtrack songs. Yeah. And it's interesting as a choice here because I feel like Thoroughly Modern Millie is this really good song, but it would be, it would be better if it was like performed as she's going about town, mm-hmm. you know, I like it that she, you know, go, I love the revolving door thing where she goes in and comes out and you see the cut slightly because it's slightly off center. Yeah. Or where she goes through into another thing, she comes out straight away. Like, I really like that as a thing, but it would be nice if it was a proper musical sequence. Yeah. That's true. I like the bit where she's like obviously looking at all the different women. She's like, I'm going to make myself stand out a little bit more. She gets her hair cut and she gets like a corset to help with her silhouette so that her beads can hang the way she wants to. Yes. The, you have to have your beads hang straight, which can only happen if you don't have boobs. Yeah. So. And then, and again, quite female gazy to kind of be like thinking about how boobs impact fashion. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, oh, boobs, yeah, you know, in a male gaze film. Like, I yeah. thought, you know, that was interesting. Like, it's very, it's very much like, I don't know who wrote this, but. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I feel, I do feel like the way Millie's represented in bits like this mm. feels quite authentic. So she goes to get cigarettes because she sees the advert for the Lucky Strike. And as she's paying the vendor her corset like 
breaks and snaps and the guy just is staring and gawping it's like she suddenly gains boobs yeah. but in the same way that her face is just like awkward as well it's just like oh and then again she looks at the audience and i just thought that was you know a fun little moment mm-hmm. you pointed out we've been on this street before that it's set yeah it's the uh funny girl but also yeah. how i, I met your mother, mother. Mm-hmm. so that's cool one of those old Hollywood sets that's still around. Yeah. We actually have two examples of that in this movie. Do we? We have this street yeah. that we're on a lot of the time. And we also have the interior of the theatre house, yes. opera house that they go to later on in the film, which is used in loads of Hollywood movies. But it's the oldest current standing film set. Cool. It's been used hundreds of times in different movies, but it's in every version of Phantom of the Opera. That's cool. Which I think is hilarious. So we kind of, we've had this introduction to Millie and we go to the Priscilla Hotel Mm -hmm. and we see a taxi rock up and somebody is trying to pay by check for 35 cents and the taxi driver's complaining she has seven mouths to feed and another on on the way. Mm -hmm. So this check... Like, is no good. And Millie comes and saves the day. Yep. Pays off the 35 cents for this character. Mm-hmm. And I really love is like, the taxi driver drives off and then Miss Dorothy's like, oh, but what about my bags? Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> Millie says, oh, don't worry, between us, we can do it. And, and just like, straight away, Miss Dorothy just walks off. Yes. And then you see the nice, like, trying to handle and balance it as Millie... Was it obvious to you that this character was rich? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she has a checkbook. She pays by everything with checks. That would have been something somebody with status did. Yeah. The fact that she can afford to just come here and do this tenure at the Priscilla Hotel for as long as she wants. That was pretty normal. No, I know, but she'd need that money to be able to do it. Yeah. Everybody else in that place is a working girl. Yeah. So. Also, the way she's dressed is very fashionable. Mm-hmm. So like money fashionable, not Millie fashionable. That's exactly it. So we go in and it's that same evil slavery woman that we mm-hmm. saw at the start. So it's Mrs. Mears. Mm-hmm. And she learns that Dorothy is an orphan. Yes, because Dorothy has no one at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so we get the line, sad to be all alone in the world. Yes. And Millie's talking about how, you know, oh, she's going to be in 1210. But what about this person? Oh, well, she checked out. Mm-hmm. And then... We we learn the reason Millie's not been targeted is because Millie's always getting post. Yeah, she's got a huge family. People would notice if she went missing. Mm-hmm. And instantly... And I think the film does a very good job at it with the writing. We know full well that Dorothy is going to be in constant peril from the way this conversation goes. Mm-hmm. We don't need a lot more exposition than just sad to be alone, isn't it? Millie's not alone. Yeah. But this other person was. So Dorothy's next. And I like the bit where you have her go out back into the laundry thing. She lifts it and you can see last night's victim starts to wake up. And she just pours, pours the, it on her head on yeah. her head, and she just passes out again. And this is where we have Miss Dorothy and Millie get in the lift. Mm-hmm. And you have like the huge tap routine sequence as they're going up. The choreography for this is great. Yes, which Mary Tyler Moore has said since that she can't get in a lift without thinking about doing this, <laughs> which is hilarious. I will no longer be able to get in a lift. I'm going to tap dance whenever this. we go in a lift now. But we learn that Dorothy wants to be an actress, but she needs to live first. Mm-hmm. 
And Millie is jealous of how her beads hang as well. You know, she has that other like look of like, you know, it breaks the fourth one and other things like, well, why is and it all her this? beads hang straight? Yes, and yeah. her beads hang straight. Yeah, the, the tap routine is great. I think the choreography is fantastic. And this is where we first learn that Millie wants to marry her boss, whoever he is. So at this point, she doesn't have she doesn't a boss. She doesn't have a boss, yeah. It's just her her dream. And I, I love this this little line between the two. So Miss Dorothy says, you're a modern. And Millie says, thoroughly, which mm-hmm. I thought was fun. What? So so I guess what they're saying by you're a modern is it's a modern woman. Yeah, it's like an aesthetic. Yeah, so it's it's like the style of the time. It's like... You are an emo, you are a goth, you are a modern. Yeah, it's, so at this point it's considered old-fashioned to like want to marry for love kind of thing. This is, women can do anything that men can do. Yeah, the war effort has shown that. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, again, really good job with like the exposition here. You don't need far more of it. It just is very easy to keep up with and follow. Mm-hmm. And they get to their rooms and Millie says, we're going to go to a dance. And she says, watch out for the Macy's stock boys. They're pinchers. Yes. And then we cut to the dance. There's very little enthusiasm. She's being pinched. She's being pinched. Yeah. But there's very little enthusiasm from everyone there. They're just kind of dancing. It doesn't have like any life to it. Mm-hmm. Until Jimmy stops by. Jimmy's like walking out on the streets and he hears this music and he goes in. Yep. And he goes up and he talks to Dorothy and Millie. And now in hindsight, it makes more sense. And I'll save the hindsight for the very end so that if you've not seen this film, like Elena hasn't for some reason, very shocking. Oh, that's crazy. I would have expected her to have seen it. Right? She's already had enough of this on Twitter. Bless her from from me and Tony. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to save the reveal for the end, I think, just so that, you know, our listeners can have the exact same journey as Millie does. And as you did. And as I did. So my note here says, Dorothy wants Jimmy, but Jimmy wants Millie. Because when it goes up, (laughs) right? Oh, that's so funny. So it genuinely feels that way because he's very enthusiastic when he talks and Millie's just kind of like, Okay, mate, whatever. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But... He doesn't come across like a rich guy, which is what she's into. Yeah, but... Dorothy does kind of seem into him. So I thought, okay, it's very weird. You know, I thought, oh, poor Miss Dorothy, you know. Yeah. Uh, Millie doesn't want to waste any time on, you know, mm-hmm. this sort of man. But Miss Dorothy might. But he gets Millie on the dance floor and says he's going to create a new dance, asks her what she's eaten, and they eventually settle naming it the tapioca. Yes, and it's a tap routine, obviously. Yes. And we get the tapioca sequence. Everyone does the tap, 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 tapioca. Mm-hmm. I liked this one a lot. I thought this was a fun sequence. Yeah. But especially because you also have, in the background, Mrs. Mears trying to poison Dorothy, like insists on having the punch. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy takes the punch, but then puts it down. And Mrs. Mears is trying to figure it out. And she's like, no, you can't drink this one. Can I drink this one? And then loads of people just put to you know put yeah. their drinks down. And you just have Mrs. Mears staring at it going, which one did I put the drug in? Yep. And yeah, it's just a really fun sequence. The cutting back to Mrs. Mears and the cutting to the dance. I really like this one. Like you can see that Jimmy has brought life to this world. But there wasn't any before. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he sells paper clips. He's, he's in the steel industry. 
He never says that he sells paperclips. He just says he, he works, he works with, with steel. And yeah. Millie's like, oh, like paperclips. And he's like, yeah. Sure. But he does talk later on about wanting to be the paperclip king. So he does kind of go with it. Yeah. I like the bit where Mrs. Mears stops the music and says, right, it's, t- it's you know, time to time to go. Mm-hmm. And Millie joins Jimmy on a... Oh, Cinderella time. Yep, Cinderella time. Millie joins Jimmy on a terrifying drive. Mm-hmm. And again, quite interesting because we see like the green screen of them driving. Yeah. And then we see like the first person perspective, like the point of view shot as they're driving. And yeah. like crazy like weaving in and out and cars having to stop for them mm-hmm. which is a, a really interesting shot for this time like it really does put us in millie's perspective yeah you know she talks about how dangerous it is she doesn't have to drive and he's like oh go on you drive for me he sits back with his arms and millie's face is like ah yep but then they get down in the car mm-hmm. i assume they don't go all the way she's a thoroughly modern girl so they probably do go all the way I always kind of took it that they did. Because they have this bit, she's talking the whole way and they'll duck down and she'll come up. Well, it starts with him ducking down, then she keeps popping up, he follows, and they're in different places. Well, you have a bit where he's like, is this okay? Yeah, and she's like, I'm a modern. Oh, yeah, for sure, I'm a modern. And he's like, oh, I've never been with a modern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I read it to mean that they've gone all the way, but it doesn't really matter if they have. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, as long as you're not marrying your boss, until you marry your boss... You know, we can do this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, why not? And you know that there's a little bit there between them. You know, their dynamic is really good with each other. And, you know, I'm always like, right, we'll see more of Jimmy. I know he's not like a one and done character just to kind of show her like progression to her boss. I know that he's going to stick around, going to stick around. So we see the next morning he says this 23rd century as they're driving this 20th century i hope i'm up for it <laughs> I, love, I like that but yes we see the next morning she's got a list of all the interviews that she's been to because she can type 40 words a minute she's very highly sought after yes and she comes highly recommended um because she's applying to be a stenographer yeah which is a secretary mm-hmm. by nowadays standards i guess um, but she has this list and you can see that she's crossed everybody off of it because you've got a guy who's already married, a guy who was like cheap or yeah. something like that. And then a guy who's a pincher. So she's crossed him off. Yeah. And she's not having much luck. Bless her. And then the last one she goes to is Trevor Graydon. Yes. Which is like a trust. Trust fund. Place. Place, yeah, sure. I'm not really sure what he does. Yeah. the la- golf. That's yeah. probably all I can tell you. I like, as, as you go in and you see all these old stuffy ladies that very much are not as modern as Millie. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of glaring at her as she goes up there. That's one of the things that they flesh out a bit more with the stage show, is that these people have a little bit more personality to them. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I do like the bit as she opens the door and you just get the... Hallelujah. Yeah, because he's Hallelujah. I thought it was brilliant. And again, very female gazy because it's the kind of objectification of the man character. Mm -hmm. And it's not as seedy as how women are usually objectified, but it's a nice little joke that we wouldn't usually see the women doing. Yeah. We get baby face, which I think is brilliant. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I love the bit that like he's like, oh yes, you know, we'll get you to, to have a, a trial shift and take some words, and she's so distracted by everything she's sa- he's saying and like just watching him. The bit where she talks about like, oh, I love your trophy. I play baseball too. Well, I play golf as well, actually, because it's a golf trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very good. And I especially love in this sequence the juxtaposition between her calm poise in the room with him and then this like frantic energy when she's outside getting everything. Yeah. But she is good. She's not like a liar. She's not faking it until she makes it. She is as good as her recommendations say she is. Mm. And she already just owns this office and gets it done very quickly. Yeah. I thought it was a very good sequence. I do like when she stamps her hand, though. Yeah. Yeah. She's going so fast. (laughs) Yeah, she's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but it's nice. And and then we do get our swell, just swell, our first of the film. And that's, you know, I I now again realise in hindsight that could be a drinking game for this film. Drink whenever someone says swell. Yep. You would get plastered. You'd be smashed pretty quickly. Absolutely smashed. It would be a swell drinking game. We go back to the hotel and Mrs. Mears is injecting an apple with something. I think it's meant to be also the same thing. Yeah, she's injecting this apple and poor Miss Dorothy comes in and says, the only thing producers want to do with me is take liberties. She's very sad. We learn, like, basically at the end of the film, she's doing this to try and expose Mrs. Mears? Or is she doing it just because she actually does want to try and make it as an actress? Like, is this her going out into the world and trying to form her own thing? Or was she actually... I sort of took it to be that she's not actually that fussed by being an actress, but that's where she's decided she's going to find a guy. So she's going out to find a guy. That's kind of spoilery for the end of this. But for this, for current, where we are in the plot, yes, she wants to be an actress and... Or a chorus girl. Yeah. And she's having very little luck. Yeah. I like the bit. It's very... Because she's too classic. Yeah. She's she's not a modern. No. She's an ingenue. <laughs> I like how Snow White it is with the apple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, go and eat this apple. It's perfect. She goes, oh, I really shouldn't. Oh, go and eat it. Go and take a bite. And oh, because it's specifically a California apple. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, one from home. She says she's from California, so, yeah. And I do like this bit that then uh, Millie shows up and she's like, don't spoil your appetite. We're going out for dinner. And they put the apple down and Miss Miz is just like, damn it. And we see the apple just implode. Yeah, it like shrivels up. Creepy. Yeah, because they're going out for a wedding. Mm-hmm. At the dance last night, we saw this couple who danced for the first time and were immediately infatuated. No, it wasn't the first time. Oh, was so it not? they dance across the room, and it's one of the girls who also lives in this building. And she dips the guy, yeah, and is like, "Millie, this is the guy I told you about, isn't he swell?" And Millie's like, "Oh, just gorge," and like, because they use all the like slang for the yeah. time, which is hilarious, and. Now we're at their wedding. Yes, and we get the Jewish wedding song, which I think is brilliant. The fact and it's it, actually sung in Hebrew. Which yes, is very cool. and I love the fact we get the subtitles. I think this is a really great sequence. Mm-hmm. 
The choreography is utterly brilliant again. I can imagine this would be a really great thing to see in a live production of Thoroughly Modern Millie. That you have like the grandma getting down and then you have like two other people do like break dancing. It's really, really fun. Is this song in the stage show? God, if it isn't, I'd be disappointed. They're adding songs, but taking things away. That'd be a shame. No, it's not. Oh. Well, I liked this one. I thought this was a really good sequence. Mm -hmm. And I love that at the end, Millie catches the bouquet and we're like, oh, cool, she'll be next. Which is good. And she's optimistic she'll be next with, with Trevor. Weird, though, that the subtitles carry on into the next scene. Yeah. And then you were like, have we had subtitles the whole film? I don't even remember when they stopped. But they continued. It was like halfway through this scene. So I watch most things with, with subtitles, subtitles yeah. on because I find it easy to concentrate when I can read and watch at the same time. But this is one of those moments where because I always have the subtitles on, I was like, have they always been on? Yeah. As well, because it's black writing surrounded by a white bubble. Yeah, it's very cool writing. Very nice. Yeah, good choice of font. But, like, we we actually were sat there trying to figure out whether we'd put the subtitles on by accident. Yeah, and I can't remember when they disappeared because I was so engrossed. Mm. But they do just disappear. Uh, Jimmy and Millie are talking on the phone. And then you've got uh, Miss F. I can't remember her full name. Who? You know the one with the elbows? Miss Flannery. Miss Flannery is listening in and is like, A, you're wasting, no, you know, no personal calls on business time. Mm -hmm. But also here's, so, so they make a plan, they're going to go have a date. Oh, he rings and is like, hey, Mill, have you married your boss yet? And she's like, no. <laughs> but yeah, they, they plan for this date. And then she says at the end, still going to marry my boss. And then and Mrs. Mrs. Flannery pulls, pulls the... the thing out and goes over my dead body. Mm -hmm. Why? Does she have a crush on Trevor? Or is she just not willing to have like... So this is a character that, again, is fleshed out a lot more in the, the stage. stage show. She is completely anti-love. Okay. And you find out it's because she got her heart broken by wow. a guy she was going to marry. Fair enough. There's a really good song that they introduce, which is a great tap number where you have all the stenographer girls... And Mrs. Flannery and Millie at the front sing Forget About the Boy. Yeah. And it's like the big number that everybody sort of recognises from this show. So I'll show you it later. Cool. So we see that Jimmy has taken Miss Dorothy and Millie on a plane. And he's driving the plane. And Millie says, how can you afford this and the car? And he says about how his employer. Oh, they belong to his boss. Yeah. And I'm thinking at this point, no, he is his employer. Mm -hmm. He's He is in money. He is rich. That's how he can do this. And then we get an evil-looking man in black who gives chase. And their plane is like red and white, like red and white checks. And then this guy's plane is black and white checks. And he just gives chase and they do a loop-de-loop. -loop. It's very The Baron from... Um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes, yeah. exactly that. Which, hilariously, we do find out that this guy is called The Baron. Yes, but it's also weird because... It feels like it's it's one of those weird things it's in this like a film. Weird dog fight. You're like, oh, is this actually the way this film is going? Miss Dorothy is not enjoying herself on this trip. Either. No, she isn't, because she's sat in the front, and then you've got Millie and Jimmy sat together. Mm -hmm. and I was like, can Millie fly a plane? You're like, no, this is how it is. Mm -hmm. And then we see that it was just like a fun chase as Muzzy appears and shouts, 
Raspberries. Raspberries. And <laughs> I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be her. She's so cool. We learn that actually the way he's flying is towards this mansion that Muzzy owns. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, to her it's a cottage, but... Yeah, she calls it the cottage, yeah. And as they're going to land, Millie leans down and like her beads turn off the plane and her and Miss Dorothy are completely oblivious as like Jimmy's panicking. And mm-hmm. like Millie stands up and he's distracted by her derriere. Yep. And they land safely, which is great. Yeah, it turns out fine. And then, yeah, we learn that Muzzy um, has hired Baron Richter as her flying instructor and mentions how her ears have haven't popped yet. So he kisses her and you just hear the pop. Yeah, pop, pop, which is great. And then we get the very weird line that says, and to think we were against you in the late war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a weird line. I don't know if we need that line, but it's a weird line. It's there. <laughs> As they're in the car back to the, the mansion, Muzzy does magic and she pulls an ace of hearts from Millie's ear and says mm-hmm. that love is very near. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, yes, because Jimmy's there. And Millie just thinks of Trevor. But again, this scene is weird and knowing that Muzzy has pulled this and it's like oh yeah did you know that love is near hint 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 <laughs> nudge, but it's nudge. weirder yeah. that Muzzy's doing it and we'll talk about that in a bit we cut to the party that night it's very great Gatsby full of excess as the early roaring 20s were yeah um, there's a great line about how the bathtub's still half full of gin so like help yourselves because obviously it's prohibition yeah there's that prohibition era. Which doesn't apply to rich people. But no, it doesn't. But Millie feels unworthy in her plaid dress. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dorothy looks like great. And Miss Dorothy is like, where did you get this one? She goes, oh, I just... I just, I just rang for it. Rang for it. And of course, again, makes sense. And we'll get there in a bit. But she also looks shocked to get a kiss from Jimmy. And Millie looks jealous. Oh, Dorothy, yeah. Yeah, because he kisses her on the cheek. He says, I love you yeah. to her. Yeah. Oh, because she calls the other woman... Out, yeah. He just... Yeah, out for her rudeness. And he's like, oh, I love you, and kisses her on the cheek. And, and she looks shocked. And Millie's like, can you not? Yeah, and I was like, okay, so there's going to be like a will-they-won't-they they romance, like a little love triangle here. Mm-hmm. And then we... Which generally I don't have time for in a movie. No. But in this, I quite like yeah. the confusion and miscommunication. Yeah, which usually I hate miscommunication because it's just like, just talk. Just talk to each other. But here it kind of works. Because you understand the miscommunication at the end. Exactly. Muzzy's about to make her singing debut after only five days of practice. Yep. She's a natural and we get jazz, baby. And Which was not written for this film. It was an existing song. Okay, already. cool. We have a creepy dance instructor who keeps going, yeah, 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 yeah. Who it's is this So, guy? so weird. Because we've seen her dancing with him and he's just going, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll see him later on again going, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. So weird. As this funny little throwaway character. There's a lot of throwaway characters in this that we meet once and just have this weird idiosyncrasy about them. Yeah. Well, he's like a specific dancer. He's yeah. in a lot of like movie musicals. His name's Anthony Dexter. But 
It's yeah, it's a super creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. I like the bit where she does the xylophone dance. Yeah. She's standing on the xylophone and... And she like, tap dances and it... Makes a noise. Makes the xylophone But noise. the worst bit about it and the best bit about it at the same time is how unlikely it is. And it's especially funny when, like, she gets off and the music, musician starts playing it again and you can't hear it. Yeah. Like, are her shoes really louder than his instrument? Muzzy then plays a prank on Miss Tremaine, mm-hmm. which I think was funny. She talks about how nice the ring is and it's like, oh, is it new? And she looks at it and it does like the old like clown flower trick of sprays water. Yes. And poor Millie is like, oh, I thought it was real. And Muzzy is like, oh, it is. I just had it hollowed out. Yeah, just for something (laughs) like this. Rich people things. And then Miss Tremaine is complaining about how her mascara has run onto her Paris dress. And Millie gets a bright idea and she knows how she's going to solve this. So a few scenes ago... We didn't talk about it, but... This hurts me. Yeah, a few scenes ago, Miss Mears is trying to take Dorothy. Trying to drug Miss Dorothy, but Millie interrupts her. And then she says, oh no, I'm just cleaning up a scene. She goes, wow, you're such a hard worker. It's it's, it's nearly midnight and you're still going. Your work ethic is is amazing. What are you doing? I can barely see... What have you used to get it out? What is that? And she goes, oh, it's just it's soy sauce. She goes, wow, I can't even see a stage. Soy sauce. Hmm. Soy sauce. Hmm. <laughs> Soy sauce. Hmm. Yep. So she's now got the perfect thing to get rid of this stain. Mm-hmm. Soy sauce. And we hear a scream as Miss Tremaine comes out and you see this huge soy sauce blotch. And poor Millie is humiliated. She's like, I, I, I wasn't trying to be silly. I really thought it would work. I, yeah. I really thought it would work. Uh, you know. And she goes off. There's a... There is a weird Chinese man in the background of this scene the whole time. His name is T. T, yes. So we have T in the background of this whole scene. He doesn't actually do anything other than put me on edge, mm-hmm. knowing what I've seen already of Miss Mears and her two laundry men. Yes. He doesn't do anything, and he doesn't do anything untoward, mm-hmm. but he's just kind of in the shadows. But everyone kind of goes off and Jimmy follows Millie, who is humiliated, and they share like a loving moment. He talks about how he wants to make Millie his employee, then they can marry. Um, and he but says, yeah, that is cute. He says, I like you by Jingo, <laughs> which I really like by Jingo. And they then go back to the house because he says, well, you've got to stay here because that's where we're staying. You know, I can't fly this plane. I've been drinking. And Muzzy tells Millie that moderns don't cry. She's been having like a lasso training with someone, like the rope training. Yeah. You know, moderns don't cry. And she talks about marrying for love and that appearances can be deceiving. You know, if you you clearly love this person, you should marry them instead of not marry them. And she says, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Yeah. And obviously at this point... Were you just thinking that, wow, this woman likes to interfere? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, she's talking about this because, like, yes, she married rich, but she didn't marry this person because he was rich. She actually didn't know he was rich until they were married. She just fell in love with him. Yeah, she said he didn't come across as a... Rich man. Millionaire at all. Yeah. He, she thought he was stealing things. Yeah, so, 
it's nice. And we get Jimmy. You know, this song's all about how Millie wants a piece of that Jimmy pie. Mm-hmm. And she gets changed. And again, we have this nice bit. She goes into the cupboard to get changed and she stares at us as she shuts the door. Yeah. She's tapping in the cupboard and comes out and she's in like her negligee. She puts on the thinnest bit of fabric for... Like, yeah, she goes to the window and she's got like a vest top, pyjama top and loose pyjama trousers. And then she's like, ooh, it's chilly. So she puts on the thinnest piece of fabric to ever exist to be her dressing gown to yeah. warm her. It's so funny. And then she decides she's going to go find Jimmy because it's love. And she sees all of Muzzy's instructors kind of go past. Mm-hmm. And, we ha- you know, she has that look to the audience. And she says, oh, he's working late. And then they all go past and you have the... You know, Baron Victor, and you have the creepy dancing instructor going, yeah, yeah. And then she looks again. Everyone works late. And then just as she's going to knock on Jimmy's door, she sees Jimmy and Miss Dorothy Mm -hmm. going in and her heart breaks. And I shouted, the cad. I was so angry at Jimmy. How can you do this? So funny. So she is aware that even though Jimmy is saying all this stuff to her, mm-hmm. Jimmy also has feelings for Miss Dorothy. And, you know, she's betrayed by both of them because Miss Dorothy is her friend, but she hasn't told Miss Dorothy how she feels. Yep. And also Miss Dorothy's under the impression that she's going to marry her boss. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy had said that I like you. So Jimmy, Jimmy's the worst one in this situation, I'd say. Like Miss Dorothy doesn't know that what she's doing is wrong. Sure. At this point for at this, you, yeah. Yeah, at this point for me. Sorry, I'm getting confused because obviously I already knew the yeah. plot of this. And we'll get to this later on at the end. But for me, I'm like, okay, I'm hurt by Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I'm not hurt by Miss Dorothy because Miss Dorothy doesn't know the feelings. But there's also a bit in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, he's not hooking up with Miss Dorothy. Yeah. He's talking to Miss Dorothy about how he can win Millie's heart. That's what I think is going on at this point. And I'm, I'm like, they're setting us up to think that he's shacking up with her, but they're not. But we're <laughs> seeing this because we don't get omniscient in this. We, I mean, we get slight bits because obviously we can see the stuff that Miss Mears is doing. Yeah. But we don't see anything of Jimmy. The, all we see of Jimmy... Is what Millie sees. With a few exceptions, like, but mostly... Like building climbing. Yeah. Mostly we see what Millie sees with Jimmy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, so I'm setting us up to think that it's that kind of plot. Yeah. Uh, It's the next morning and Millie's a little bit distant and they're all going off to fly. Mm -hmm. We meet Cruncher, literally one note character, but it's stupidly fleshed out for this joke. Cruncher is Muzzy's... Like boxing per- instructor. Yeah, and he's just always moving and always boxing. And it's just interesting and so weird for like a side character to have that kind of depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Millie throws shade at Jimmy. Like, oh, you know, and it's great. And Dorothy's like, oh, why is she so standoffish? And then we cut to Mrs. Mears again as she's spraying sleep gas in Miss Dorothy's room. And knocks herself knocks out. Knocks herself out. Yeah, They go back to the hotel and Millie just doesn't want to talk and miss dorothy is like what's wrong do you have a stomach ache and then they're sat tapping 
in the lift and it's really fast tapping to try and make it go up fast which i like the tempo of your tap changes affects the, the lift yeah. function yeah and she's trying to get dorothy to come clean and she's like dorothy have you got anything you want to tell me and she's like no and just as she says yes it's nothing to do with jimmy so millie's hurt and betrayed by this she's given dorothy a chance to come clean mm-hmm. she goes into her room and Miss Dorothy goes and tells me we hear a scream. And to her credit, even though Millie's angry, she comes out to check on something. She gives Miss Dorothy a huge hug. Yeah, she immediately comes back to check on her, which is so cute. Millie is such a good person, inherently good character, yeah. despite yeah. the fact that she's obviously trying to trick a man into marrying her. I wouldn't say trick. She's just doing what anyone would do when they fancy someone. You know, she's just trying to woo them. I wouldn't say she's trying to trick. It's not like she's faked this ability at her job. She's putting... Yeah, but she didn't care who the guy was. No, but, you know... You know what I mean. I do. But she is a very good person. The second she she goes in, she, oh, it's just Miss Mears. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. Goes into her room. And Dorothy's like, well, this is most peculiar. You know, I've paid for that room. But, you know... Millie says, look, you can come sleep with me. I'll sleep on the floor. You sleep on the bed. And they say, no, it should be the other way around. And Dorothy's like, I want to save this relationship and we, we should talk. But again, Millie's like, no, we, there's no need to talk. It's fine. Because tomorrow I'm going to marry my boss. And then they shut the door and we hear the squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> and then they come and they put Mrs. Mears in the thing. In the thing, which is fantastic. And wheel her away. The next morning we get what I like to dub Fatal Millie. Oh, yes, sure. She says, I will be fatal. Yes. But she means, like, excellent. Yeah, like drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah, so she dresses up in, like, full flapper oh, gear. so gorgeous. She looks amazing here in this black and white number. Mm-hmm. And she goes to her boss's office and she storms in and she plans to sort of, you know, whirl him off his yeah. feet. As she leaves, she sees the laundry van show up and she sees Mrs. Miz come back out shouting in our like racist Chinese not words yep. slapping the laundry laundry men and she, um yeah she goes to work and uh Jimmy tries ringing he doesn't know what he did and she's like just leave me alone I want nothing to do with you and Miss Flannery hears that and is going to help that because mm-hmm. she's done with love and also she can see now this person's done with love so she's going to help yep but then she rouges her knees to try and help seduce Trevor yep and she goes in, doesn't really have much luck. Trevor calls her John for some reason. It's supposed to do, it's supposed to be to do with some saying that he has where he says like, oh, it's like Johnny on the dot or something like that. So he calls her John because she's always right on time. Yeah. Which is great. But he does kind of treat her like. One of the men. Yeah. Which is not what Millie was going for. No. Yeah, because there is, we know, we're watching this, Millie doesn't stand a chance with this guy. There is there is nothing He's going so to happen. so self-absorbed. So self-absorbed. So she goes out and Jimmy shows up to try and take Millie out to lunch. Miss Flannery kicks him out with, and he's like, oh, you've got lovely elbows. Mm. And they go out and then Dorothy's there and again needs help settling this check. And as Millie's paying the check, she notices the laundry van is behind Dorothy doesn't think much of it but we have the sweet mystery of life playing as miss dorothy and trevor see each other and it's just like imprinting on each other yeah 
And it's a really sweet moment, but I do feel incredibly bad for Millie when, like, at the end, they, they agree they're going to go out on this, this night out. And she goes, my first date with my boss. Yeah, and it is sad because, like, at this point, obviously she's had her heart broken by Jimmy. Yeah. And now, what, what did we keep calling him? Tommy, I thought it's it was. It's Trevor, yeah. yeah. it's Trevor, but I thought it was Tommy. But he's also messing her around now. Well, he isn't messing her he's around. He's not meaning to. No. And it's weird because we're not used to seeing... Usually she's quite on the pulse with things. But here it's just like, my first date. Even though it's Dorothy. And Dorothy's just like, huh, you said something? Because mm. she's so enraptured. And then we get the nice graphic of, we will see, you know, Millie's first date with her boss. Yeah. After... Intermission. Intermission. We get an old-fashioned intermission, and we get an intermission song, which is just the overture again. Like, it's the entourage, isn't it, really? hmm Yeah, the intermission song. It, it's just, like, interesting, like Funny Girl. You know, just to have it be so long in the middle kind of breaks the flow of the narrative a little bit here, but then it does very much, like, replicate theatre-going experience. And this happened with a lot of films, obviously, from the this period. mid-1900s. Because... 1900s? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because films this length was not a normal thing that people were expected to do. You would go out into the lobby and you would yeah. get another refreshment. and then There's very few films that I've been in where I knew there was an intermission. And when we saw Return of the King for the first time, there was an intermission. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that. And I think I saw a Titanic re-release when it was in 3D and there was an intermission there as well. See, that's interesting because those films don't have an intermission. No, I know, but you kind of have to pull a point in the middle, don't you? Mm-hmm. So we come back and we're at the Vaudeville Theatre. Yes. And Trevor and Dorothy are very into each other, but... Millie is just completely oblivious, is like very into the action on stage, mm-hmm. has no idea what's going on. And then we see the gloved hand light a cannon. And then we see from inside the cannon that it's aimed at their box. Yeah. At their box. And we have a group of acrobats perform, and they're just like the pill bugs in a bug's life. You know, <laughs> Oh, they're called the human yo-yos yeah, in this. I but like, that. That's hilarious. They are. It's, it's, you know, I can't describe their act. Just think of the pill bugs in A Bug's Life and you've, you, this is what they're doing. Is that what you call them? Well, no, because they're wood lice, but they're pill bugs. Like, I would call them wood lice. On Animal Crossing, they're pill bugs. Yeah, and a lot of people, they're pill bugs, and I think they're credited as pill bugs. That's so weird. Maybe yeah. that's an American thing. Yeah. This cannon then... We're seeing, like, the, the fuse going down and they're just suddenly aims at the pill bug men. And out of the cannon comes Carol Channing. Yes, Muzzy shows up. Um, Shouting raspberries. So, <laughs> I love. It's great. It's so cool. But who lit the fuse? It was definitely, like, it was set up for us to think it was Miss Mears because it's the same gloved hand. But it just, it's obviously just a theatre just hand. A, just yeah. a theatre hand, yeah. Taking precaution. And we get do it again. And well, she's joining in in this vaudeville gymnastic act. Yeah, we we have merely say the line, "What a full life she leads." Mm-hmm. Uh, the acrobatics, I think, are very cool. 
you know, and it actually does bring Millie to tears at the end. Like she applauds, she's standing up, bravo, bravo. And it is great because like, you know, they're doing like the seesaw thing and she's going high up in the air and it is amazing. And they they must have had her on strings to achieve it's this. It's definitely not her. It's definitely not her. Because they zoom out every time we would see it. It is very, very cool. And yes, you know, we get the swell. So swell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we get a joke about how when they go to the dressing room... Yes. Millie is asked to unbutton the necklace yes. that Muzzy is wearing. And then one of the boys comes in and shouts at her in a different language and then goes out. And she's like, oh, he's just upset because it was his turn to undo me. Yeah. But we also have the bit where Muzzy can see that Miss Dorothy and Trevor are in love. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it finds it very weird. You can see she's a bit taken aback when Millie's talking about that's her date with her boss because she's like, what about Jimmy? And me's like, no. And then the next day at work, she twigs and you see her looking really sad because she she now knows. We just cut to that bit and he's presumably said like, I love Miss Dorothy. He asks her to order however many roses. Yeah, plump and pink. Yeah. And yeah, we get the poor butterfly. This one is another soundtrack song. Mm-hmm. So it's being sung over the action. And it is very sad. You know, Millie tears up her ace of hearts because there is no love anymore. Yeah. And Jimmy sneaks in, but is caught by Miss Flannery and is kicked out. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks the fourth wall. The only other character in this, he breaks the fourth wall as he looks at the audience because he's got an idea. Yeah. He climbs the building. Like, he's actually climbing the building. And this is the one time that we see Jimmy doing something outside of Millie. Like, Millie usually sees the things. And I do really like the soundtrack music he's doing this. I think it's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, It's very, like, melodrama, very vaudeville. He knocks on a window to ask, does Millie work in it? And as the window's opened, he gets knocked down. He's hanging onto a flagpole. Mm -hmm. And someone's just like, no, she's the 20th floor. I love that that woman is just so unfussed. Like, this happens all the time, guys climbing up the outside of this building. And she just looks at him and she's like, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Go away. And I love the bit. So he starts climbing and he sees a gargoyle and he says, why, Judith Tremaine, fancy meeting you here. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was funny. And then his glass is full. But he keeps carrying on. He sees Trevor. He keeps going on it and he knocks for Millie and they struggle and she's like, push. And then she falls out the window and he stares She's out. holding on to the thing. Yeah, She's holding on. And he runs downstairs. Miss Flannery gives chase. But he saves her. And they agree to dinner together and it's really like romantic. So they're embracing. Mm-hmm. And she says that she's leaving her job. Her boss is no longer available. And they kind of go back and forth where she's like, surely you should be Miss... Uh, disappointed because Miss Dorothy is no longer free. He's like, why would I be disappointed? And she's like, oh, you're so heartless. You're, you're just awful. Yeah. But they agree to their date. And then he climbs down the building after, which I thought was great. And he says, um, I may never go back to elevators again. Yeah. Jimmy's my favourite character in this. I think I think he's brilliant. He's so weird. And I think it's great. He loses his glasses and she comments about how nice his eyes are as well. He definitely is like... 
the male equivalent of a manic pixie dream girl. You know, like he's just like quirky. Well, I guess it's just manic pixie dream boy. Yeah. But, you know, like he's that kind of equivalent of like he always shows up at the right time and he has some weird way of doing things that nobody else would think of. Mm-hmm. We cut back to room 1210 and we see the roses but we also see Mrs. Mears spraying again, and this time she has a gas mask on. Yeah. And then we cut to Jimmy and Millie, who are cleaning dishes, because they have to pay off their tab. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, Jimmy's got money. Why are they doing this? And it's, again, just that kind of quirky thing. It's like, well, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, he's like, oh, aren't you having a swell time? And she's like, no, I'm not, you layabout. Yeah. Like, don't invite me for dinner and then not be able to pay. Yeah, because, like, it's just rude. Like, these people have wasted their time and you're wasting theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got some really sound morals. Yeah. Uh, she's told to take mugs downstairs because they haven't got any. So she goes downstairs and she sees Trevor. Yeah, this um, is the, like, nightclub section yeah. of this restaurant. And we learn that Miss Dorothy stood him up as mm-hmm. uh, she's checked out. Yeah, and he's drinking, and she's like, how dare you, sir? Yeah, and, you know, I'm like, oh, no, Mrs. Mears got her, because we know what the checked out means. Mm -hmm. She says that doesn't seem like her. She wouldn't check out. So they take Trevor upstairs, consult with Jimmy, and Trevor pays the bill, so the gang head over to the hotel to investigate, whilst... (laughs) Whilst Jimmy climbs the building to get in, Trevor's like threatening Mrs. Mears, being like, what would you do? And, you know, she's like, I'll go check. He's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to take it out on you. I'm sure you, because she's got the perfect cover. She's like, I don't always work here, so I didn't see this. And he's like, well, I'm not talking to you generally. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. the whole situation is ridiculous. And Millie puts it together. They end up hiding under the bed because they hear the squeak. But she's figured out because, like, her clothes are still there. The roses are still there. And they see Mrs. Mears show up to clean up. And Jimmy picks up the roses that have been thrown in the bin. He notices that they're doped. Mm. They're in the car thinking about it. And they've identified the plot. They're like, oh, we know what's going on now. So all this stuff is finally culminating into the main action of this. They have to rescue Miss Dorothy. Yeah. So Jimmy dresses in Millie's fierce clothes to go undercover. Yep. He's going to check in as a lady with nothing. Because Millie said, like, oh, she always says this to the orphans. So sad, so sad to be alone. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when he checks in, he lays the bait and she goes for it. And then she looks out the window and she spies Trevor in his car and just shoots a dart at him. And he just freezes and he's in that, that position. For this mm. whole sequence as the hijinks ensue. So we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That Trevor's in the room struggling, tries to get Trevor's attention, but nothing happens. Hides under the bed, tries to go to Millie, but Millie's talking to the neighbour who's had a boob job. Yep. And eventually comes up with a plan to write on the... And as he's hidden under the, the bed, we see that Mrs. Mrs. Mears, she puts something in the ink ink that will smell and knock you out. So yeah. like a gas thing. So he starts writing a note that says, you know, I'm going to pretend to be knocked out, but I just want you to know that. And then you see the, the you like drop off, like he's actually knocked out through this. Yeah. And merely realises that he's knocked out. 
tries to get him out as she hears the squeak, tries to beckon Trevor, who's not moving, mm-hmm. hides. And Jimmy gets taken. So she rushes downstairs and she says to Trevor, don't let the laundry truck get away. You're letting it get away because he's not moving because he's, you know, got the dart in his neck. He's paralyzed. Yeah. And she hasn't realized yet. And then he falls forward and she's like, oh no, what's going on? And the horn's beeping. And Mrs. Mears is on the phone to someone to say, get rid of this guy. Yeah. And then she looks out and sees that Millie's driving the car away. So she goes running out. Yeah. Chases after. And yeah, Millie drives and she just misses Jimmy. Eventually she follows them to, I guess, like Chinatown. Yeah. And you see, you know, she's so close and you see they go into like an area and they shut the door. She misses him. Mm-hmm. And they put Jimmy on the bed next to Miss Dorothy. And this is a really questionable bit as well, because one of the goons puts his hands out like he's going to grope this unconscious Miss Dorothy, but stops. Because the other one, like, clicks his tongue at him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that, that's, that is the one thing about them, like, really is unnecessary. Like, I don't need to see that. I mean, if anything... This whole plot isn't as No, I know, but we've got to have something. And the idea of like them being like sold into slavery gives some kind of stakes. Yeah. But I just didn't need to see like the guy actually being like licking his lips and going to grope mm-hmm. and then dashes off to presumably wash his hands and come back later. Yeah. But Miss Dorothy wakes up, finds Jimmy, tries to wake him up, but can't. So she tries to escape. Meanwhile, Millie's trying to act coy and act natural in front of these women who are smoking and she can't like so she she tries smoking Mm -hmm. and it's getting really funny it's very it is very miranda like i feel like that as a show makes a lot more sense to me of like where miranda's comedy has come from they're talking to the audience they're talking to the audience but also they're trying to be casual and like flick the cigarette and it all comes falling out and she lights and then she's coughing Mm -hmm. she throws the cigarette in and it we see i tell you what i like is that you see it in chinese and then it just flashes with what it says in english yeah, which the modern version of that is subtitles. It is modern subtitles, but, but I like the way it's done here because it happens twice. And we see it's like firework factory and we see all the fireworks going off. And that the fireworks are in the same area that these white women are. Because mm. we've seen the cages, we've seen them all chained up. Yeah. So everyone's leaving. Millie gets in. She finds Miss Dorothy. They rescue Jimmy. Millie's also untying and uncaging these women so everyone can escape. Mrs. Mears is like in a taxi, desperately trying to get there. Trevor's been covered up with like a rug because so they, he isn't seen. Because he's asleep. Yep. And then they drive to Muzzy's for help. Mm-hmm. And they get to Muzzy's. Muzzy's like, it's all going to be okay. Everything's fine. Trevor's now got like a little plaster on yeah. his neck from where he's been darted. And then Miss Mears is there. And she shoots another dart in him. Yeah, he gets got again. He's so useless. He is very useless. T shows up and is like, I think you better come with me. He's got a gun pointed. He's like, oh, let's go up and join the others. And then they do the... Mrs. Mears does the racist karate chop to the back of his head. She bows to him and then he bows back and then she karate chops him, which is so dumb. Yes, but at least it wasn't one of her henchmen doing it. That's true. You know, it's still cultural appropriation, but it's better than the alternative way of doing this mm, it's still not great. it's still not great but then we have like the big fight scene muzzy saves the it's day it's like a recreation of the 
gymnastics thing from earlier as well. They're all jumping on benches and throwing each other about and stuff. And, and it, the um, entire time, Miss Miz is just standing there. Yeah, and it's it's great because like you have one bit where like the gymnastics happens, so one of the henchmen goes and he the henchman gets slapped by Mrs. Miz and goes back into the fray, and then it happens again. And before he can get to Miss Miz, he staggers. He's and like, no, 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 I'm going to these guys who are attacking me. But it culminates to them both sat on like a seesaw, them jumping up and them like flying up into the air, colliding and just heap on the floor like mm-hmm. those two goons are definitely dead yeah oh i also want to say that when we saw them taking jimmy they tap danced their way down oh in the lift in the and lift, then they, they just dance. kept going yeah, yeah i thought that was cute i liked that i thought that was really nice as a like funny everyone little... knows you have to tap dance yeah, to get it was a funny today. little moment um and again it wasn't like a racist dance or anything they were just like tap dancing. They're doing the same tap dance exactly so else. i thought that was nice so yeah they have this huge like bit where they're all just doing gymnastics and all like posturing to this fake audience as they do it and they're mm-hmm. having a great time taking out these guys they finally subdue yep everyone mrs mears tries to shoot and it's a bang gun. yeah it's a and then um Muzzy gets her with the rope and she falls into the water like of this water display and presumably just drowns because no she's just sat there and she like <laughs> spits water out and then mrs uh, not mrs mears then muzzy says because we hear sirens yeah. in the background and she says oh my law instructors are here to help which is great because she calls all of her guys her like something instructor so her dance instructor her flying instructor yeah and then they're all getting prepared so they're here for the night just to relax and you know millie's doing the exact same running around that she was before she's dressed up in her negligee and mm-hmm. she's gonna go see jimmy and again Jimmy's like, Miss Dorothy, come on. And then not just Miss Dorothy, Muzzy, Muzzy is there. As well. And she looks angry. Millie looks angry. So she goes in to confront. Yeah, she was upset when it was just Dorothy. And then she sees Muzzy's there and she's like, okay, this guy's weird. Right. So she goes in to confront. And this is where we learn. No, she goes in to confront and is like, do you not have any shame? Both of them? And he's like, yeah, you want to join? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> no. And then this is where we learn that Miss Dorothy mm-hmm. is not a love interest. No. Because she's, she's Jimmy's, Jimmy's sister. sister. Yeah. And Muzzy is their mother. Well, stepmother. stepmother. Yeah. Which is great because I'm looking at this going, oh, my God, that's so brilliant. And basically that they're just like trying to get about the world. It's like, it is like kind of that gap. Muzzy's here. basically like, I married their dad for love and not for money. And I wanted that for them too, because like fortune hunters were chasing after Dorothy. Jimmy had all these social climbers after him. So I sent them out into the real world to find people to truly love them. Yeah. And so Jimmy's like, Oh, you want to marry me? And then we get the worst bit of this film. Well, yeah. Which is... Just like the the quick... Millie being like, I'm throwing away all my values. Yay! Yeah. And it is, because it's also it's just like, what can I get for you? Oh, a checkbook would do do greatly. And it, oh, it, no. So I kind of like that I like joke that. where she's like, I'm done paying for stuff for you guys. Yeah. So... But it it's also one of those, like, like Dumbo, like Alice. It just happens very quickly at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, this is such a deus ex machina. Yeah. They were like, it's almost like we didn't know how to end this film. Yeah. Just, just conveniently say that they were siblings mm-hmm. and they can get married, you know. But everyone gets married at the end. You know, Millie and Jimmy 
Dorothy, Dorothy and Trevor. And, and Muzzy marries a guy. Yeah, marries a guy. Yeah. Which is great. And yeah, end of movie. Were you very shocked? I did like the end reveal that Jimmy and Dorothy were siblings. Because, like, I still thought... It really back... did seem like he was messing her around. But I, I didn't think he was actually hooking up with her. I genuinely thought it was going to be that understanding of he was just conspiring with Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy was going to try and, like, change Millie's values to be like, don't marry your boss. And again, it makes sense why Marzi was so like, oh, yeah, don't marry your boss. Because she's trying to set up her kids with somebody who actually really does care. Yeah. But, you know, I thought it was a good ending. If a, if a little rushed, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It could just do with like a final number. The songs in this aren't necessarily songs to write home about, you know? Yeah, I do think they are better in the stage show. Yeah. So- but, like, I like, you know, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yeah, that's my best song. Is it? Yeah, that's my best song. Um, I do like tapioca and I do like the, um, oh, what's her song that she does? The, I like Babyface and I like the Jewish Wedding song. Those are all Julie Andrews ones. Yeah. But my skip song is Poor Butterfly. I agree. Slash um, Jazz Baby. Oh, I love Jazz Baby. I, I like Jazz Baby, but again, I just... It's it, it's at that point where it's kind of like the the film is very long and it's it's at a point where like my attention started to drip a little bit, you know. Mm. So at that point, I'm just kind of like a little tired. Yes, yeah, that's it's fair. good. It's not my skip song. My skip song is Poor Butterfly, but you know, Jazz Baby is is close because I think there are better Carol Channing songs as well in this. Oh no, I love Jazz Baby. I think my skip it... song is the Tapioca. Really, I like the Tapioca. I thought it was nice I just and don't lively. Think I'd listen to it. Fair enough. Tap 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 tapioca. I liked <laughs> it. I thought it was good. Uh, I mean, the MVP in this one is absolutely Julie Andrews. Oh, of course. Because I I've... don't know. My MVP might be Carol Channing. Yeah, Carol Channing is good, and especially with the raspberries. Raspberries. But <laughs> I just think it's such a different side of Julie Andrews that I'm that I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And you can see like just how like she isn't just Maria slash Mary Poppins. Yeah. You know, she is a phenomenal actor who really can show multiple different sides. Mm-hmm. You know, like Victor Victoria, I obviously she was my MVP as well there, but the difference being you know, she she's far more seasoned then that you kind of expect that she's got a legacy. She can poke fun at herself. Or d- to hear, to see her quite early in her career, yeah. hot off things like Mary Poppins and Sound of Music, and she's doing a role like this, mm-hmm. and she's still really endearing when she's pandering to this audience, I thought was really good. Yeah. Carol Channing's great, and Mary Tyler Moore is great as well. Like, the three of them are absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. But... I think Julie Andrews just, she makes Millie such a likeable character and she could be quite unlikable at times. Yeah. Which role would you want to play? Because you've got a lot of choice this week. Probably Millie. Yeah. I think think she's really fun. Yeah, She's like, such a bold character. It's... Yeah, and I'd want to play Jimmy, but I think there's, there's a lot of charm to Millie and she's different than a lot of other characters we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of, female-led musicals she's very different and i really appreciate that yeah especially for the time period yeah 
over on Twitter, where we put out a poll, 22% of people said they've never seen it. 8% of people say, no, forget about the boy. 14% of people said it's okay. And 57% of people said, yes, do it again. We heard from a few people. So Jenna Jo at Pittsburgh Gal 89 hasn't seen it, as is the case with Elena. Hasn't seen it, really want to. Got a response from Tony at Theatre Flashback saying, what? Definitely need to put this right and quickly. Mm-hmm. With a gif of Julie Andrews staring and breaking the fourth wall, which now makes sense to me. Yep. At Exit underscore Music said, one of the first musical movies I remember seeing. I probably watch it twice a year. The bonkers story has elements that don't age well. Luckily, you get the joy that is Carol Channing. Just last year, I finally scored an original vinyl of the soundtrack and it is a prized possession. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And definitely spot on. Elements of the story haven't aged well, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's not as offensive as other films we've seen. Laura Jane Thompson at at Jane says the plot was so unexpected. Being a first time watcher, I had to check I was watching the right film during the first scene and the plot twist at the end. Didn't see that coming. I finished it thinking, what did I just watch? But I loved all the main characters. I'd watch it again, which I agree with. Like, I would. We watch... were both sat there, like, "What is this yeah. film?" I would watch this again. I did enjoy, it. and it does make me want to see the stage show a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And then Tony at Theatre Flashback One, very excited for us to be covering this. Says, "Ah, yes, at last! So happy for you both. I absolutely love this film. Yes, it's a bit over long and could do with editing, but you can't lose a single shot of Dame Julie." Julie and Mary Tyler Moore tap dancing in the elevator to make it work. It's priceless. I always want to do this whenever I'm in a lift. That's my favourite scene in the whole film. Yep. We will absolutely be doing that any lift we go in from now on. Mm-hmm. So many wonderful moments in this film to mention. Carol Channing saying, raspberries is iconic. I need to watch this again immediately and then catch the stage show whenever possible. I'm jealous that you're seeing for the first time. Enjoy. Julie singing at the wedding is hysterical. Cherry bim bim. Mm-hmm. I gave this one four stars because I did really enjoy this one. Yay! You know, it's very difficult to give something like four marks when you do have bits that have aged poorly. poorly. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure if I watched this for the first time when it was released, it would have been a five star. Now you're like, hmm, the music in the background, the casting choices doesn't all work. That's very negative connotations. Yes. Yeah. But I did really enjoy this one. For me, it's four stars. I, I I really, you know, yes, there's a few bits. I was like, felt myself slumping, but it did a really good job at like grabbing me back in. Awesome. So yeah, how did this one age for you? I mean, did you enjoy watching it again? I did enjoy watching it again. I haven't seen it, like I say, since I was a teenager. And it's nice to know that Julie Andrews hasn't let me down. Yeah, absolutely. Not that she ever could. We have a full schedule for the rest of the year now. We have sat down, we've decided what we're going to be covering for the rest of the year. So starting next week, we're going to be in our spooky season. Mm-hmm. We're going to be covering Zombies 2. We're then going to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking to see Bat Out of Hell. Yep. That episode will be coming out on Halloween. And then something you're very excited for. On the 7th of November, we're going to cover Ride the Cyclone. Yeah, I'm so excited. On the 14th of November, it will be uh, the second star in Straight On Past Midnight. I don't know how the quote goes. It's Peter Pan. (laughs) Does that hurt you a little bit? A lot, yeah. What's the quote? 
Second star to the right and straight on till morning. Okay, cool. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Disney's Peter Pan. It's not even the good Peter Pan. On the 21st of November, we're going to be talking about the 2022 uh, movie adaptation of Cyrano. Mm -hmm. And then another 2022 uh, movie adaptation is Netflix's 13. Yeah, which on... I've already watched. And you have thoughts. <laughs> We've left it a while because it's quite, it, it is new, but it's been out a while. We've left it a while deliberately, but I'm kind of at that point where I'm so intrigued because we, I feel like we've had a really positive year. I was looking at every musical we've watched and look at oh, all so my So we're going to watch all the bad ones now well, <laughs> at the end of the year. You know, <laughs> I saw this Cyrano one and I thought, oh, and Cyrano got good reviews. It's quite no, it didn't. It's quite high on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, it didn't. It, it's quite high on Rotten Tomatoes. It's why I saw it. On the 5th of December, we're going to start our, our end of year wind down with our Christmas celebrations. This year, our old fashioned Christmas musical is going to be Holiday Inn. Mm -hmm. And then on the 12th of December, one that we've both seen when it came out in 2020. But a lot of people at the time said, oh, we'd love to hear you talk about this. We deliberately didn't watch it last year. So that hopes would be we'd kind of come into it from a fresh perspective this year. We're going to be talking about Jingle Jangle, Netflix's uh, musical from 2020. Yeah. That kind of was forgotten about by Christmas on the Square. I'm really sad that we've not got Christmas on the Circle coming, but maybe they'll adapt like Dolly Parton's Rocky Mountain Christmas Carol. Yeah. That's successful. On the 19th, we've decided what our Disney Christmas musical offering will be to lead us up to Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. It's one we've both seen many a time, but it is going to be Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Because we love it. And then we're going to end the year, December 26th, by talking about Matilda the Musical. I'm so excited. Yes, because that comes out, I think, on Boxing Day on Netflix, but it is going to cinemas before then. Mm -hmm. So our plan is to see it at the cinema, have that one ready to go in the bank, give people a chance to see it and share some thoughts about it and then launch it the same day it releases. Mm -hmm. But we are also hoping, like last year, to do another year in review episode. Uh, we had some great interactions from a lot of people and you can go back to listen to our 2021 in review if you don't know the format where we're going to talk about our top 10 musicals that we've watched over the year. Uh, I will be posting a list up on twitter and instagram for you to all refer to but again get in touch with us send us your uh, highlights of the year some people sent them via audio format to us on gmail it's a musical pod at gmail some people posted on instagram their lists and uh, let us know your favorite musical that we've covered this year it's not your best episode of ours it's your favorite musical mm -hmm. i'm looking forward because there's been so much live theater this year as well that we've talked about yeah so me this year i've been far more organized after every episode i've posted what we've listened if it was live what year if it's a disney but also my star rating so much more organized i'm very excited to talk to you about that as always you can get involved in the conversation over on twitter and instagram at it's a musical pod or drop us an email. It's a musicalpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcasts section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like the show, share it with a friend, subscribe, 
and why not leave us a review but until next week where we start getting spooky we will see you same bat place same bat channel have a magical musical monday